Ben, do you have anything to say about low sex? Nor as everyone else likes to call it, the penis rocket. Why not? We can all give you a warm hand in your entrance. Yeah, that, that butt clenching really was awesome. would be absolutely terrified of anything. Um, uh, uh. Sunday, I had a good time making a ten-year-old boy cry. Have you finished playing with your bunny? Remember, this is the show where good ideas come to die. Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 378 of Lave Radio, the show that likes to talk about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Phoenix Defire, Chief Archivist of Lave Station, otherwise known as Colin Ford, and joining me in the orange sidewinder bar for this episode, we have our Head of Health and Safety, that's Commander Edleweiss, otherwise known as Ben Moss Woodward. The risk of starting on you already, but is a house... A cross between a, a, a host and a mouse or something? A what? Is a house a cross between a host and a mouse or or you know, just a confused house or an ex-house or something like that? Fair enough. Um, we've also got our um, Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Hello. Uh, and our Staff Liaison Officer, Commander Psychic, she's, uh, she's been streaming all day, so she's a bit tired. So we've got Replacement Psychic, which of course is um, our uh, East India Ambassador, that's uh, Mac Winston. Hello. Hello, glad that you're all there. And of course, today's uh, tech is handled by our good friend, Putnik Santiago. Um, so... If you wish, you can join us live. We are hanging out in game somewhere. I do believe it's Lave Station, judging by the where uh, Ben is at the moment. Yep, I am. Cur- Chris and I are currently at Lave Station. Um, <laughs> I believe. I believe Mac might be joining us as well. Right, so we've got we've got the Chris Mark for Ben and uh, hopefully Mac at Lave Station. I would join them. Unfortunately, I don't trust my internet connection enough. So don't worry, um, we don't trust your internet connection either. Uh, I know, <laughs> if I disappear again. Um, if you can't get to us in-game, you can join the Twitch chat channel, which you can access through com slash live. Click on the live chat. Uh, also, you can just go straight to twitch.tv slash radio or catch us up at YouTube or even on Facebook. So we'll quickly, as usual, go around the team and see how they all are. So shall we start with Ben? Oh. I, I I have to admit I I kind of missed out on Psychic's 
jobbies last week. Um, but I, I may or may not be able to top top her jobbies because my Australian ex flatmate sent me over a care care package from from Australia, uh, which was approximately fifty pounds worth of shipping charges for about five to ten pounds worth of 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 snack food from Australia. Uh, but some of his snack food were Nobby Nobby's bacon bits and Nobby's nuts. Yeah, and that, I mean, and that's not a deliberate naming at all, is it? No, mm. mind you, I remember them showing on. Um, what was it you? It'll be all right on the night. There this or one of those advert shows where they they have this this woman who always says, "I've got a good idea. Let's all nibble Nobby in Nobby's nuts." Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's, an, it's quite an old one, that. Um, I'm surprised, but uh, I hate to say this, but jobbies are so last week. Jobbies are very last week. I am currently on some Australian cheesy balls instead. So what are these What are these nobbies, or whatever it's called? Nobbies, jobbies? I'm, I'm assuming it's just a, a, an Australian brand. Are you um, going to do like some K peanuts? That's all it is. It's, it's Australian K peanuts. That, that's it. I think so, yeah. I think it and is. I think you should. You know, you get these reactors on YouTube, and their subscribers send them stuff from other countries to kind of test. Yeah. Right. I yeah. think you should do one of those. I think you should do an unboxing of what you've been sent oh. on a, on a live stream. If anyone wants to send me something, oh, I no. will unbox it on a live stream. <laughs> and if it is edible, and I agree that it is edible, I will eat it. I should send you some know... rank snobs. Say what? I shall send you some Manx knobs. What are what are Manx knobs? They're basically boiled sweets. Okay, yeah, I will, I will happily eat some of them then. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but if yeah. you haven't if you yeah. haven't tasted it, how do you know it's edible or not? You need to eat it before you know it's edible. I'll make a judgment call on that. Yeah, but it could be wonderfully bestest thing you've ever tasted. But I'm sure horrible. it could. I'm sure it could, but I'm still not eating shit with sugar on it. Yeah, are you quite sure you want to eat nuts from down under? I'll happily eat nuts from down under. <laughs> Thank you, Daz Gossman. I bet you should have jobby, jobbies, 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 nobbies. Have those. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> I, don't, I think that's that's enough disgusting food topic for the moment. What else have you been up to, Ben? So, yeah, apart from that, I, um, obviously I've been away for the past week, so yeah, I've been without my gaming rig but i was i did manage to play a spot of red dead redemption on basically the ultimate gaming rig of my my tablet connected via shadow to a cloud pc and a gamepad uh, so i was sort of able to to play that so that was yeah that was fun doing that with my brother-in-law and things like that just you know doing red dead redemption online stuff um i saw the excitement that was sing 2 um which was Exactly as you'd expect, but you know the kids enjoyed it, and I had Bono in it, so you know that's always good. Excellent. Um, well, the the only other thing I've really seen is you know I was ple- pleased and ve- I was quite ha- well, I was, yeah I was happy and pleased to to bump into Goose four two nine one and DJ Wiley independently last night in another universe. Um, so that that was nice, just bumping into them at random. Oh, that's, that's um, and they're all, they're all doing well and. You know, uh, I, I think I can probably say this on air, but you know, Goose is out and about being a seaman, um, or being uh, being an able seaman, or something like that. 
Yeah. And I don't really know what uh, DJ's up to, but he, he's, he's doing his thing. So if they're still listening, hi to you guys, and it was yeah. lovely meeting you. <laughs> it's nice to catch up with Goose. Um, yeah. he, apparently he knows my cousin when they were both in the Navy, which is it's one of those bizarre coincidences. <laughs> ah, yes. Um, uh, would you the policeman? If your cousin was in the Navy, were you like the policeman and you've got a, a workman and the other guy from the British people? I don't know where you're going with this, Shan, to be honest. Well, you said you we got someone in the Navy, yes. and then obviously you're the British people. Well, we only know one person in the Navy. I don't know if we know any Indian chiefs, policemen, builders, or what's the other one? Was there a fireman? I thought there was five of them. Oh, my God. I, I am not looking up village people on the internet now. <laughs> Cowboy, there you go. Cowboy, oh yes. There you go. You had to have the the Dallas the Dallas uh, Buyers Club. Um, <laughs> okay, Sean, what have you been up to this week? Uh, well, this week, um, Mrs. Shan and I had a nice weekend away. Um, some friends of ours had uh, spent the last couple of years doing up a uh, a pub an Airbnb, so we were privileged to be the first people to stay in their Airbnb and test it out. So we had a really nice weekend. Um, test subject Delta is 11 days away now, so Mrs. Shan is very pleased about that. Uh, what else have I been doing? In-game, um, I have been helping Eldest Mini Shan, and he's not in the country at the moment, so I can talk about him that way. Um, Eldest Mini Shan has been doing Rubigo runs till his eyes bleed. And uh, he seems to be following the dark side as racing to an anaconda without learning how to play the game. Um, because he's uh, 23 and obviously knows everything in the world ever, um, he will come a cropper, which I will laugh at. Well, if, if he doesn't know how to fly uh, his anaconda properly, then I expect you uh, to educate him on the finer arts of how to actually fly one by destroying it. Uh, yes. But anyway, he's been doing Rubigo and he's still using my character, can my carrier as some sort of bus service. He's like, oh, Dad, he said, Dad, can you take us to Rubigo? It's like 20 jumps away. And I'm like, for oh, goodness sake. But anyway. <laughs> the ultimate dad's taxi. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's like, yeah, I can take you to Rubigo, but you'll need to pay me in Tritium. <laughs> and he goes, what's Tritium? Oh, dear. Go mine it then. <laughs> That's punishment. Right, um, Mac, what have you been up to then? Well, um, in game, I've been doing a bit of the CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I did one run tonight. I'm heading towards Lave in my most excellent Imperial Cutter, which hauls 728 tons while being able to fart in the general direction of gangers um who i just low wake i don't even bother i just low wake away from them they their their pathetic weapons are no more than raindrops on my prismatic shields and my reinforced hull so um although one day i i suspect pride is going to come before a full one these days and one of them will get me but um they haven't yet do they so, not wing up do they not wing up and oh yeah but with, the thing is they, they can't cannons? They they can't mass lock me, so I can just low wake away. And the the cutter's fast, so yeah. You know, gankers aren't what they used to be, are no, they? No, no. So <laughs> usually by the time their wing has arrived, I'm already halfway charged. Um, sometimes if it's just one of them, I'll fire um, 
the uh, some torpedoes at them, reverberating cascade torpedoes, because I always like watching their shields go down. Um, they can't be that good at gankers if they can't avoid. Well, this torpedoes. is it. Most most gang- I mean, there are some serious PVPers who are who are generally genuinely who would be able to avoid that kind of thing, but a lot of gankers aren't really all that. You know, they 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 do what they do. They try and attack sort of poorly armed trade ships because it's the only thing they can kill. And when they find one with actual decent hull and decent shields, they're a bit stuck, really. So, yeah, as you say, one day I'll probably come a cropper because there'll be someone like, I don't know, me. I don't know. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be there'll be somebody who knows what they're they're doing who who can who can deal with my hull and shields. But that's an idea. Maybe I don't. maybe I should teach my dark apprentice the art of ganking. Then I can, yeah. and then then he can I do all the ganking. You, I thought you said you didn't gank. Well, it, obviously I can make exceptions for some people. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> In 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 other news, um, one of the things I have um, at home is well, one of the things I use is a I have a Juno one hundred six, which is a vintage analog synthesizer from the eighties, and I've been spending a bit of time repairing it because the Corsair decided to fail. So that's been my weekend. Although, of course, as soon as I opened it up, it started working again. So it's one of those really annoying intermittent faults that sort of it's it's like it's like not 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 Schrodinger's fault exactly, but um, it's one of those things. Is when you try and observe it, it goes away. But at least I've got the waveforms of what the circuit should look like when it's operating correctly. So when it ne- when it fails next time, I'll have an eye. I'll have a better idea on how to actually debug the circuit. It it's quite it's quite an interesting thing. It's got this. It's, the trouble is some of the chips are now unobtainium, including <laughs> one which goes by the the very descriptive name of a bucket brigade device. Basically, it's an analog delay circuit, uh, which is kind of the electronic um, equivalent of a like a bucket de- brigade. It sort of hands the signal down through its stages, one to the next, driven by a driven by a clock so um that's where it gets its name from so i've been having some fun fun with that so but talking of antipodean things um during my research i found there's actually an upgrade to the synthesizer where the it's although it's an analog synth it's controlled digitally so it has a basically a computer in it and there is a company that well a, a company a very small business in new zealand who makes something called the kiwi 106 which replaces the cpu board so i have one of those on order now because it adds quite a lot of interesting new features um while of course preserving what makes a juno a juno in other words it's it's analog sound so (laughs) just like just like just like you're saying about the shipping charges the shipping charges are an absolute fortune but i was going to plus you'll be added the uh, royal may inspection fee won't you as well oh yeah of course customs will probably want to add their tuppence worth well it'll be more than tuppence but they'll customs will undoubtedly add a charge to it as well oh apparently apparently i'll this is a bit of a psa i received a text last week where supposedly an item i had purchased owed two pound ninety nine postage and if I went to this particular website 
I could pay the postage and get the item. Mm-hmm. I, I did some digging around, and apparently it is a scam. Oh, the, a lot of them at the moment. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a common scam. And what they do is uh, they can't do anything with your bank details directly um, when, they, when they get them through this site. But what they can do is it gives them enough information so they can masquerade as your bank. And then they call you pretending to be your bank and saying, we've detected fraud. We need you to transfer your money to this account for safekeeping, which, of course, the which uh, and basically they steal your money. Yeah, so I looked, uh, looked it up before, because if I get a link to a, a website, I don't think I'll look up for scams and stuff like that, but I thought, if people get it, please be aware it's a scam and don't try and do it. Yeah, always useful information that. Anyway, um, let's see what I've been up to. Not much, I'm afraid to say. Um, for some reason, I got bitten by the XCOM 2 bug this week, uh, and I went a bit mental with that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm still losing. I, I've set it down to the easiest difficulty, and I'm still losing. Mostly, I'm not losing at the actual fights, uh, the actual tactical bit, but I am losing in the strategic game because they always complete the avatar project before I can, I get round to it, which is bizarre. Um, I have done a little bit of exploration, so there's a Colin for Colonia um, Twitch stream out there, uh, but apart from that. Not really that much in Elite Dangerous this week. Uh, I have looked at putting together the the new PC, but um, yeah, it's just getting round to it. <laughs> it's going to be. Hopefully, I'll have it ready in the next couple of weeks. When you put PCs together, which is a bit you don't like most. With me, it's putting the wires in the motherboard that link it to the case. I don't like that bit. Um, it's anything to do with power. Yeah, or anything I, actually plugging into the motherboard, to be the, honest. The thing I have is is the powering it up for the first time when you plug it all in and you're just about to press the switch and hoping to God the damn thing powers up and you haven't just wasted God knows how much money on something you've broken out of the box. Mm. Yeah. I think my scariest bit, apart, is, is probably I'm with Colin, it's feeding through the great big chunky um, socket that goes into your motherboard and then you've got all the different... But then I always panic as, like, have I got all the fan fans plugged in or do I have a dangling fan somewhere? Mm. Oh, and you're waiting for your CPU to go... I'm bursting I'm into flames. My, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh talking about the... things bursting into flames, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, my... my um, oh, you know how you get, like, multi-way chargers for USB things these days? Um, uh... What... You know, like you, one one socket goes into the wall, and it's got six USB sockets coming out of it, and it'll yeah. charge your phone, your tablet, or whatever. Well, I, I've got one of them, and that's that's fine. Right. Um, but I I plugged it in to the wall over the weekend, and we had smoke, we had flames, we had bangs, and I very quickly unplugged it and went, "Oh shit!" And then I found out my cables were even charged and everything like that. So, please, it wasn't plugged into anything at the other end of the cables, and. No permanent damage to anything I care about, but yeah, that was a bit scary and worrying. Isn't the ampage and stuff of USB ports limited? Or we, it was still enough to go off and give us smoke and fire and stuff. Yeah, USB three. The current limits are quite high, <laughs> I think. So, and mm. and so USB C, the higher still you can. Uh, it's, a, it's a USB C one as well. So yeah, yeah. USB C. The wattage is starting to get up there enough to make enough to make a few flashbangs. Oh yeah, it was. It was. 
Yeah, it was impressive enough. Anyway, the problem that I've got at the moment is that I have found out that I need to get uh, a four-pin, I, I think I mentioned this before, a four-pin Molex meal-to-meal cable, which, because the, all Another the fans... PSA, never Google oh, that. Yes, meal-to-meal connector, not advisable. <laughs> Uh, yes, called, they are traditionally called gender changes. Yeah. Anyway, shall we move on? We'll go move on to some development news. Well, what have the devs said this week? Not much, but apart from one big one post from Arth, which I think it's now spawned at least a thousand follow-up posts on the forums, which. <laughs> It just goes to show how desperate people are for some form of communication. But uh, I will I will quote this verbatim. Um, this is from Arth. I want to speak directly about the lack of official streams and reduced communications from our social channels since the start of 2022. Um, I understand that the concerns this has caused and hope this, sta- this statement will go some way to alleviate them. The whole team are excited to share all of the upcoming content for this year, including new updates, content expansions, and the next major phase in the ongoing narrative following the Azimuth Saga finale. Beyond this, we're also looking forward to our new streaming format when the series returns as a weekly show. Changes will include new segments, year-round Twitch drops, uh, or Twitch drop campaigns, and studio quality production once we move back into the office. <clears throat> Brace yourself. However, here there are several questions that must be answered internally to inform this communication plan. It is important to me that we address key subjects by priority, and when we do that, the information we provide is clear. The team and I are working incredibly hard behind the scenes to gather this information and provide these answers. As always, the team and I are grateful for your patience and support, and while we wait for the opportunity to share all of the above with you, we will update you with more detail as soon as we can. And it's a thousand posts coming from that. Okay, I I can see the dots. Shan, off you go. Bingo! (laughs) Bingo! Um, <laughs> yes, I must admit, I was there looking through the. It actually most of it, I'm you know, it's completely fine apart from that one middle paragraph, and I'm there going, he's just he's just missing synergy. Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and leverage, and leverage. Um, <laughs> the, uh, it's a serious question. Ed. At the end, it says the team and I work incredibly hard behind the scenes to gather this information. Well, I, I'm kind of wondering how hard it. You have to work to get a meeting or a conference call together and say, here are the questions the community is asking. What information have you got? It's not really hard to gather the information. It's probably hard to give it, maybe, but it's not hard to arrange it, if you see what I mean. You just get people together in a room and ask them the questions, surely. Or am I being grumpy? I think you're being a bit grumpy. We've kind of got an educated guess what's going on at the moment. Well, obviously, um, Arf's actually been seen on stream painting miniatures with Andy Serkis. So, That's what's know. going on. They're too busy playing Warhammer. <laughs> Which I must admit, now that I've been told that what's coming out, what they're bringing out is actually Warhammer crossed with XCOM, I'm, I'm a bit... Yeah, I might be interested in that. See how, of course, the, um, uh, the reviews go. But back to Elite. Um, 
That it's it's the however there are several questions that must be answered internally to inform this communication plan. Now, uh, yeah, that's that says to me is that they are waiting on a decision about something, and the uh, to me in in my if I'm going to put my my corporate speak head head on, that says to me. Actually, we're either evaluating whether or not a console version of Odyssey is possible, or we are trying to work out whether or not we want to proceed with Odyssey at this moment in time. Um, now, there are other things that we know about which we will share later in the show, uh, later in the section. But for the moment, what do you guys reckon? Is it is it just basically the console version they're trying to work it out? Because I know as soon as they go back on stream, they're just flooded with where's the console version? Where's the console version? Where's the console version? And it, it spoils the streams. Shan? I was going to let Ben or Matt um, have a go. Uh, um... Oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dive in then and say yes. I think they're totally working out and waiting on word from somewhere to say what's going on with the console. And mm. somebody needs to grow up here and get on with it. Yeah. Frankly. Well, yeah. It's, it's a question of whether or not a people would accept a low frame rate on the on the older consoles, you know, a la Cyberpunk, or whether whether or not they they scrap the console version completely, uh, or only do sort of the latest generation of consoles. I'm not sure whether it's solely about the consoles questions. To be fair with them, I, I think they've been, certainly the community team has been asked about roadmaps, what's after in, you know, carrier interiors, and all that kind of stuff. So if they're bundling it together in as one unit, and they want to make sure they've got a consistent answer to everything in one go, yeah, then I can see the delay. And I'm trying to be a bit sort of uh, diplomatic. I don't think it's just about consoles because. Uh, there's more questions that we need that we'd like answers to than just consoles. I mean, there's the engineering revamp for yeah, others, I mean, all stuff like that. Um, but I would have hoped they would have known that in advance because they would be developing it already, coding it already. I, I don't think they're sitting around fiddling the things thinking, oh, should, what should we do after carrier interiors? Oh, what should we do with engineering? I don't think they're at that early stage. I think they're actually working on it and it's more about getting permission and how to release a message than it is actually deciding what to do. Yeah. Um, so again, like I said, because we've had so little communication from uh, Frontier, this was jumped upon and ripped apart and reanalyzed. And yeah, it's it's been a, uh, <laughs> a thousand posts over the last six days. So, oh my goodness. Um, so it, it, in short, Wait and see. Do you think Arthur's resenting of even posting something? Oh my god, what does it do? Well, that's the thing. He's posted. He's done a drive-by. He's he's he shot his bullet and run away. Back to Warhammer. <laughs> back to War. Yeah, he's fired his bolter and back and then bolted off. Ah oh dear. Anyway, um, but that's not all that's happened this week. We have actually had a patch. Patch 4.10.3 was released um, a couple of days ago. Um, (laughs) Again, because of the lack of communication, uh, poor Zach was fending off people 
because people were calling it a patch and there's a huge argument about whether it's a hot what a hot fix is and a and a patch and the whole difference is semantics really a hot They're fix board people do that just bored to be honest you know it's yeah. a, you call it a patch i call it maintenance release someone else calls it a hot fix you know for goodness sake Effectively, let, let's just clarify this. That as far as they're concerned, a hot fix is something that needs to go in uh, into the game, regardless of whether it's a client-side patch or a server-side patch. It doesn't matter. It's a hot fix because it needs to go in to fix some bugs that stop people playing the game. And it can't wait to the next big patch. So that's what hot fix is, i.e. it's coming in hot. Better prepare yourself. Um, but yes... Mind you, it was a 1.3 gigabyte download. But that doesn't mean anything. That could just be our assets or something like that. It didn't necessarily be game code. It could just be assets. Yeah, I suppose it all depends on the on what part of the the, the X is being replaced. <laughs> or maybe you've got to have the full 1.3 gigabyte X for every single update. That you... Yeah, because isn't that how Steam works with updates? If you just change a couple of bytes in a game on steam for example it has to download the entire module or program it can't just download the change bits it has to re-download the whole module so it might just be that oh, right fair enough um right well now going back to what we were saying before uh for the Arth statement one of the things that did come up with the uh in that thread was the fact that someone picked up that Frontier are actually advertising, or were advertising, for a game designer, specifically to work on Elite Dangerous. Now, that actually has reassured me a little bit, because I was worried that the game uh, is was going into maintenance mode and then sunsetting. Um, but they wouldn't actually want to hire a game designer for a dead game. So I feel a little bit relieved to see that. Um, what do people think? Did, is this the Shan? Obviously, you put your dots in. So yes, you uh, uh, use the dot system, you bad boys. Um, uh, what do I think about? Yes, like you, I guess it's it's, it's an encouraging step. Um, although I'm unsure where in the hierarchy the game designer sits anymore, because for, for, for my view, the game designer was people like the Sandro Samarco, the Mike Books, that sort of level. But are they now a level beneath, if you like, um, Piers? Because Piers, I think, was... I think so, because it wasn't Piers the, the game director. Well, it used to be Lawrence, didn't it? So uh, as to, you know, is the is the edge of the job being appetized? Are they the person who comes up with the ideas? Mm. Or are they the person who who is given the idea and then said, oh, here's how we fine-tune it? I'm not sure quite what level they're at. Because it yeah. does seem it does seem they've gone through quite a lot to um, game <coughs> designers recently for Elite. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be. I mean, but are you reassured that they're actually recruiting for staff for Elite Dangerous at least. Well, it doesn't say it doesn't say if it's a permanent or a contract role. Being a bit naughty, uh, we will. I think in most cases, if you're advertising for those kind of things. On the on the site, it's normally a permanent role. Well, I was thinking, is it a is it a role at Frontier when you're then moved off to Jurassic Park Ten or something, whatever it's going to come out as, or is this dedicated to Elite for always? If you see what oh, I mean. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. No, well, with all... it's dedicated to Elite for always. Yeah, you know, that, that's 
you you could be you like 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 Sandro. You could be an elite for five years, six years, and then you're like, you know, I want to go and play with dinosaurs now. I don't think Sandro went to play with dinosaurs. I thought he was under the frontier patio or something. So we saw him propping up some. We saw him with some gin um, after he'd left Elite, but before he was under the patio, at least. Yes, we, we know Sandro's alive, but <laughs> we know Mike Brooks is alive. Because mm-hmm. um, I saw him. I saw him doing stuff on Facebook. Oh, Adam I... Woods is Adam Woods alive? Yeah, he's doing the F one game. Yeah, which doesn't surprise me because he was always massively into his his oh, cars. Because... Yeah, he's a, he's a complete petrol head, is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wasn't, so wasn't Steve Kirby a game designer as well? Do you think it's replacing he, he Steve Kay's job? Do you think it's replacing oh, Steve yeah, Kay's no, job? No, but Steve, Steve left years ago now. Yeah, good. So, I, God, I hope, that, I hope they're doing... Yeah, I hope Steve got replaced a long time ago. Mm. Um, and our good friend of the show, Stephen Benedetti, he is uh, he's now doing community management for the Star Wars Lego games. So, I happened to Will. Will's still there, but he's he's in charge of um oh I can't remember now. I supposed to be Will that I talked to about the Elite Miniatures game, but I haven't heard back from him for actually ages, so um I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the job adverts up if people fancy fancy. Yes. It. Um I mean a lot of other people have speculated it's it's more like a uh <laughs> people have said it's a it's a dungeon master type role where you could be design designing new scenarios for for CGs and things like that, but um, yes, we'll have to see. And um, yes, because of uh, let's go to other real world news at the moment. It seems that game developers are <coughs> the target of mergers and acquisitions at the moment. Um, yes, Ben, you put this one in. I am. Um, so yeah, it was reported in I think the Daily Mail of all places. Although there are other. Sources providing some citations that, you know, obviously after um, Activision Blizzard were bought out by Microsoft mm-hmm. um, and Sony went off and bought Bungie, you know, people are, tr- are busy numbing up things. Yes. Um, and what with the, the share price uh, falling by a third in the last, um, in the last oh, quarter yeah. or so, um, a lot of people said, "Oh, there's a game developer over here." Nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. Just to quickly uh, speak to M1K3TV, however the hell you pronounce that, Mikey, Mikey TV, maybe Mikey mm-hmm. something. Uh, she's busy working for special effects at the moment and getting incredibly excited about Game Blast, which so are we because special effects is awesome and Game Blast is a lot of fun. Great chance to raise money. So that's what she's doing. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, Shan, what are you? Well, the source was the source was on thismoney.com. So I think I because when I was see Daily Mail, I, I sort of take it with the same amount of salt as I do a um uh, a press release. Um, so yeah, it was, it was on this, yeah, so it's on thismoney.com with a detailed article on it. Um, and they speculate that they that 10 cent has been rumoured or mulled over as a potential buyer. But yeah. Frontier Frontier is actually worth quite a bit of money. Its market capitalization was nearly a billion pounds, wasn't it, at some point? It is. And so um, it's not a it's not a two bit company to be eaten up. 
I guess. Also, yeah, but then again, one... Activision and Blizzard, they, they're a lot bigger, and they just got chomped, didn't they? I was going to say, one thing you have to remember is is Frontier is still a relative minnow. Uh, Blizzard is, uh, I think, on the order of 40 billion. I think Electronic Arts, about 80. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that will probably mean, I don't think, the, that Frontier is likely to be taken over anytime soon is Frontier Insider still own an awful lot of the shares. I think David Braven would have to start, you know, properly selling up because I think he still owns on the order of thirty-five percent or yeah. something like that. It's still quite a significant shareholding. Um, so to be an attractive takeover, they would have to have the agreement of David Braben, and I think until he retires, they probably won't have that agreement. Mm. That's right, and because people say, well, if they offer him, offer him enough money, he'll sell up. I guess that's probably true, but if I was David, I'd want to make sure my legacy was as shiny as it possibly could be before I retired, and I'm yeah. not convinced mm. Frontier's legacy is as shiny as David would want it to be if he retired at the moment. So some internal numbers, like from you know, straight from Frontier about their, their investor page. David Braben currently holds... 32.7% of the shares. David Gammon, who's, again, another Frontier staffer on the board, holds 0.7. Charles Cotton is another Frontier board member, 0.5. Another broad member, 0.3. Another board member, 0.1. Um, David Walsh. Oh, David, that's interesting. David Walsh doesn't actually hold any now. Um so Chris, Chris uh, Sawyer used the legendary developer Chris yeah. Sawyer used to own a fairly substantial share, but I think he's sold all his shares now. So Tencent own eight point six percent at the moment of Frontier. Uh Swedebank Ruber own eight point one. Oppenheimer funds own seven point seven. Um so David is still a long way the largest shareholder. Um, although I guess if not a majority every, shareholder, though that's not, the, that's not majority. I guess if everybody else clubbed together, they could do stuff. But yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I I saw that with with Argus. There was one shareholder that owned something like forty percent of the shares, and another consortium got together and got rid of him. So <laughs> that's one thing when you have to deal with this with the stock market because <laughs> yeah. You also need to look at the um, up-and-coming, you know, what have they got on their plate to increase the value of your shares and if you're going to spend a great deal of money on it. And um, at the moment, I'm not convinced Frontier are in a place where they would increase capitalization because the the article says the stock is down 34% in six months. Well, Mm -hmm. is is that the stock finding its natural level, i.e., that's the real value now of Frontier Developments, or is it a share drop because of confidence had gone? I think it was you know a I mean? over Is that a correction? Uh, well, first of all, I'll agree with Mac. I think it was an over... Um, it's a correction. I think it was overvalued. Um, I think they were unfortunate with the fact that they had... They got they got their Jurassic Park ready in time, and the film decided it wasn't ready in time. So that that was unfortunate. But they're hoping to make that up when the film does come out. So, but still, I guess I guess we'll see. But um, do you know Ten Cent actually own the majority share? In, I only know them as uh, having quite a diverse portfolio of companies they invest in, but I don't know if they actually own games companies outright. Whether it's I, I thought they owned ArenaNet. That's NCSoft. 
Is it NCSoft? I know Tencent has got the... The thing about Tencent is that it's... You don't realise how big they are because the vast majority of their stuff is over in China and they are huge over there. And they are one of the big four or five in the world. And we don't even realise that. Yeah, but do they own outright a company? That's the question. I'm not sure they do. They just have a very diverse portfolio. They have they buy buy enough to influence, but not enough to control. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, homework well, for next week. Yeah, homework for next week. We're not going to look up uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff on the internet at the moment. So um, I think we shall move from development news to the in-game events. What has been happening this? Oh. They all ten cent own forty eight point four percent of in Epic. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, in game events, what's been happening this week? Um, well, obviously, the 9th of February, Arissa Liangvi Deval has now been rescued from her year long captivity. Um, the <laughs> the Emperor Popsicle has is now being thawed out. <laughs> I have a theory. You know, she was she disappeared. Remember that CG where where we had to get enough Lavian brandy to make a Lavian brandy lake about yes. the size of Coniston Water. That's right. I think this is just an excuse. In reality, she's been sleeping off the mother of all hangovers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, she's been rescued by Imperial Special Forces, uh, and. Uh, Basically, revenge and senators have been arrested, and we're, well, we're going to find out the rest of that story as it goes along. Um, and no doubt, I'm going to get Shan involved in this one. But I think I was a little disappointed that there wasn't any player interaction over this particular thing. Um, I know, as far as power play is concerned, I've been there going, "Who have been? Who have we been power playing for?" <laughs> <laughs> we all reckon it's Kevin from accounting. You didn't. You say there wasn't any player involvement. Didn't you miss the massive uh, on foot battles with the kidnapping faction and oh, the uh, and the capsule ship jumping actually into the thin atmosphere of the planet and duking it out with a base? Didn't you? Didn't you? Didn't get that? No, no. I thought it came down. I, I heard it. It dropped from orbit, launched its fighters, and then jumped away again just before. Just it hit, like oh. in Battlestar Galactic. Yeah, it was immense. It really was. It completely memorable. I mean, it's a shame you missed it, Colin. Oh, I know. I heard it was a fiasco like the FNS Nevermore, and it started shooting at its own station. We shall take the tongues out of our cheeks right now. Um, yeah, it's a little bit disappointed that there wasn't any player agency on this, but at least everything's um, back to status quo as far as the Emperor's concerned. Um, on the 10th of February, the next uh, phase of the Colonial Bridge project has, has commenced. Now, this is the first of four CGs. So for the next four weeks, we're going to be doing Colonial Bridge projects. Is, is that correct? That is correct, I believe. So, yep, prepare yourself for a lot of um, hauling. And at the moment, um, Mac, I take it you're hauling a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was geological components. There was, a, or whatever they're called, geological thing is. I, I actually visited my old stamping ground when I started back in the Vita. I made my home 
uh, LHS 331 in a station that used to be called Dick Enterprise. It's now called Dyer Enterprise, D-Y-R. And there's cheap geological components there, whatever they're called, geological thing is. But yes, I I think they should put the dick back in Dick Enterprise myself. Put the dick back in Enterprise. As As of taking the dick out of the Met. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> do you? Th- I mean, I mean, do you think the um, M6 expansion, sorry, the Colonial Bridge, will um, be extended to Beagle Point? Do you think they'll continue on and make it the Beagle Point um, um, bypass or something? Do you think they'll <laughs> the Beagle Point bypass? <laughs> I think that's doubtful. I don't think anybody's going to. Because I mean, it, the Beagle Point. I mean, it's it's like Thurso. It's the ass end of nowhere. But it's yeah. not, is it? Not anymore. There are fleet yeah. carriers around it, so it can't be. It's a free fleet carrier at Beagle Point. I think there's a free ganking at Beagle Point, so I hear. But... Actually, you know what I'd really love Frontier to do is put a bar or a, one, an installation up there and call it the free fleet carrier. <laughs> so they're not lying. <laughs> I think they're going to call it Milliways. <laughs> yeah, Milliways would be better. But... You know, I did a... Uh, I did an article for uh, Sagittarius I, which was called The Deadly Tour, about all the places where explorers get killed on expeditions. And Beagle Point happened to be one of the deadliest places because of everybody getting space madness syndrome committing suicide there. Oh, so basically you get to Beagle Point and then can't be bothered to fly all the way back. So you basically commit yeah, suicide and you're yeah, back at Colonia. Yeah, they, 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 they stared into the void and the void stared back and so they hit the self-destruct. If, if, if people feel they've got too much money, what I would like to see is the time it takes and the cost of bringing an Imperial Corvette to a fleet carrier in Beagle Point or... Um, some of the suicide winders back to the bobble and then bringing their ship by uh, ship transport back from Beagle Point. I'd love to know how long it takes. It takes about a week, doesn't it, from from Colonia to bring your ship back. I'm just wondering how long it would take from Beagle Point. It's probably going to be at two. It's going to be more than two weeks. It's over twice the distance because Colonia is about twenty. Was it twenty one thousand Kylies? And Beagle Point is about sixty five Kylies. It is, but I think it's. I think as a distance, I think the reason why it's sixty-five thousand is that as the carrier flies a straight line, or because the journey always used to be eighty something, because you could never get across the abyss. Yeah, directly, you have to go around. I think the timing is the straight line distance. I don't think they try and work out a route. Do you know that's one thing I've never tried. I've never tried putting a class E, you know, like one E hyperdrive or something in a ship, and then so it can't jump anywhere and seeing if you can be transported, even though it can't actually jump. Yeah. It's... Anyway, anyway, I wonder how much it would cost to bring it a lot. to a bigger point. A lot, I would have thought. Um, on the 14th, Valentine's Day's act gave us all a present by exposing the Lords of Restor- Restoration, which are the various senators that have been um, found in uh, guilty of... Uh, stealing the uh, the emperor, and um, interestingly enough, there seems to be a uh, an unsanctioned war going on uh, in Summerland at the moment. It's been reported on on the ALD um, Powerplay server that uh, Blackwater Inc. 
is under attack, surprisingly enough, but there's no combat zones. It's just been reported that they're under attack. So it's a bit, oh, couldn't we have joined in? So, and finally, today, the Federation has been divided by Hudson's proposal because he wants to be president for life. So, um, who's up for a Trump-like dictatorship then? Yeah, he's a dictator. He wants to be one. Or he wants to be one, yeah. It's mm. it's always the way. You see it in real life, like in like the South American countries, like Venezuela. You know, they change the constitution so they can stay on as president, and then they fiddle the elections. I mean, that's what... It's what Hugo Chavez did, and the and, and Hudson's just doing the same. You mean yeah. just like a certain country that um, that is in Europe, but also in Asia? What you mean, Russia? Yes. Um, the question regarding this, I mean, I, 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 sorry, we'll get we're coming on to that main topic. So, so we're going to visit out. Salisbury. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I don't know. I, all this all this in game stuff is already interesting, but it's like you're reading the Kindle version of Elite, isn't it? Um, well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 background fluff, and to tell you the truth, I'm glad it's there because without the background fluff, it would be like how it was in Fleet Carriers before. It's it just feels like a dead galaxy. I mean, for goodness' sake, background fluff. I mean, Frontier First Encounters had it as well. Of course, it was mm. it was all preloaded with the game because it wasn't online. There was no online, but it had. The nice thing about FFE is it had a few more uh, publications you had, like, because you, you, you had all the different takes. You had the Federal Times, the Imperial Herald, you had the Frontier News, which was kind of Alliance, pro-Alliance. And then you had random intergalactic gossip with all the scandal and gossip. Um, I'd, I'd at least like to see Rig back. Every so often, I think... You know, perhaps and you know, perhaps the thing to do since Sagittarius I is on hiatus is to kind of start a uh, start random intergalactic go- gossip for any dangerous. <laughs> well, well, FFE, your commander or actions that you took would sometimes be newspaper, wouldn't it? It would. Yes, when you did something really notorious and bad. Um, oh, good. If you won the Wicker race, for instance, you got your name in it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I. I I do actually miss the the blatant um, oh how should I learn? the blatant propaganda from each of the each of the different sides, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> you read the Federal Times and and the Imperial Herald uh, about the same event, and it it was just yeah, it was it was very amusing. Uh, but obviously, for those of you who want a, a better take on uh, the in-game news, the the our own Pete Witherspoon and Commander Beetlejude will be along with uh, Galnet News at the end of the show. <laughs> um, in other news, Operation Idea, uh, they've completed Evangelis, uh, but they're now waiting on the next busted station to um, to try and fix. And according to Thargo.watch uh, from the AXI, the three systems they've targeted for defence are HIP12314, Lembas, and the Coolsack Sector. Um, that's one thing that I actually forgot to mention. Um, on the 11th of February, um, the Thargoids have actually hit the bubble for the first time in, what, three years? I thought they hit... Maybe I'm mistaken. No, that was the NMLA. I'm thinking the NMLA. They hit. The yeah. NMLA. No, this is the first time they've actually hit human stations in the bubble now. Uh, it's it's an escalation. They've moved away from the Pleiades or the Colsac, the their usual stomping grounds, and 
I remember the last time this happened, there were two prongs going into um, uh, one head, one appearing to head for Akinar, the other one heading for Sol that seemed to peter out. But this time, uh, yeah, straight on terror attacks. So we could be looking at an ex- escalation of Thargoid activity in the next few weeks. Oh, Salvation, come and save us. Well, we're going to have to rely on Salvation now because they, they've decided that's it for a- ages. The fools. I think that I think there's some foolishness going on here. Oh, yeah. They've, Aegis has been played. I, we we kind of gathered that Aegis has been completely played here. Oh, I think and, it's all going to go horribly wrong. Well, and, until until the Tharg... It, it, is, it is that moment in XCOM when the the the, uh, uh, the nations stop, start withdrawing their funding and you lose quite badly. I, I hope it goes terribly wrong. You know, that's just maybe that's just me, but I do hope it goes. I I want it to burn and. Yeah, fuck the lot of you, basically. <laughs> I, I, I think you are forgetting the ultimate weapon, which is the plot advancement cannon. <laughs> you mean the Avatar project, which I keep on losing it. <laughs> yes, um, there is that. But, um, oh, I mean, I remember last time that this started to happen, everyone got really excited that they're going to burn the bubble, they're going to burn the bubble. And you just think they put that much work in and they're going to burn it? Really? Anyway, um, I think we'll go and call it for that time of the week again. Score alert! In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your arts. In the bi-weekly newsletter, here come paint jobs for your arts. Question. According to Wikipedia, the traditional Chinese calendar, also known as the agricultural calendar, is <laughs> this going out on live? Minister the calendar which identifies no. years, months, and days according to astronomical <laughs> phenomena. In China, it is defined by the Chinese. No- they won't tell me what the year is, though. Anyway, this is all a preamble to the tiger um, suit. Yeah, we have two two items in the store this week. Um, There's no store alert. It was just that um, um, I think Zach highlighted it on the uh, on the forums. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known. Um, we have oh, it went out on Twitter too. Oh, it went out on Twitter as well. Um, we have basically the these nice orange tiger striped uh, Lunar New Year skins, as they're called. And if you want, there's in cockpit lanterns. Um, if Nick can show the pictures, I don't know if you can, if he said. Oh, there, uh, we go. there we go. They, I was going to say you can be your your inner furry, I guess, as well, because sure. it looks to me like the you know the the helmets have ears on them and things. Yeah, and yeah. it's got a kind of a roaring mouth kind of thing. It's it's kind of yeah. cool. I I did I did have to. I thought. Did, did you purchase those? Things? Actually, I haven't because basically I'm a bit. Sh- it, a bit short of funds this month, but um, actually, they do look 
quite attractive. I would have actually got them if I had the spare time. Yeah, it, it is. It it is the year of the tiger. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually quite quite sad. It's not the year of the monkey, really. That would have been quite funny. <laughs> I don't know. You could eat your frosties while wearing that suit. Well, they're great. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so well, they're only uh, out for a limited time as well. Yeah, I think actually it ends tomorrow, the sixteenth of February. So get them now, or if you're listening to this on delay, you're probably too late. <laughs> oh, there's a year of the goat and a year of the rabbit. Um, yeah, next year is year of the rabbit. The so, year yeah. of the Zeno rabbit, perhaps. Zeno, yeah, the Zeno bunny, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I hate to say it, our little Xeno bunny is getting a little bit old and slow, so he mm. might not be around next year. So is it get, Abba, what, what will it evolve into? Because it's like a Pokemon, isn't it? What's the Pokemon levelling up music again? God, it's been so I long. Have, I have no it's idea. It's been so long. Anyway, yeah. Or, or, or will a, a, oh no, a, a gerbil will burst out of its chest and then run off? <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> wrong. Anyway, um, on on such such wonderfully fluffy and up, upbeat moments, um, we're going to take a short break and we'll come back with our main discussion after that. He was a space pirate with quirky habits. Hi. Most people find me quirky. I don't eat in front of people. She was a busy space liner captain with no time for love. I've got 50 passengers to take on a space whale watching tour. I don't have time for dating. But when fate throws them together, the result is pretty inevitable. You're like no man I've ever met. Forget my job, ship and crew. Where should we go for a date? It better not be a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) From Singing and Dreams Entertainments comes a new total immersion experience. It was incredible. I just put on the headset and it's like I was there in the story. Using Signy and Dreams' patented Dreamwear Immersion headsets, you'll feel the love. It was like I could feel everything that lucky ship captain was feeling. You'll feel the passion. Let's just say, when they got off, I got off. You'll feel everything. Did you enjoy your meal? I don't think I should have had that raw seafood. Signy and Dream Entertainments and Dreamware headsets, bringing you closer to the adventure. Signy and Dream Entertainments is a division of Signy and Dream military educational software. Combat training software also available. Please be aware that improper use of the Dreamware headset may lead to psychosis, time loss, memory impairment, and hallucination. Oh, boy, space is cold in here. That commander has a cheek sitting up in his cosy and warm cockpit while we haul radioactives around his cargo bay. Oh, is it cold? I haven't noticed. Oh, that's right. Why, you're not even shivering. Maybe it's because I picked up this North Coast cargo bay sweater. It keeps me warm and stylish. Say, that is a nice jumper. It's made from the finest Verex wool and handcrafted by novitiates in the underground monasteries of Van Manen's Star. Wow. Where can I get one? New North Coast Cargo Bay sweaters. Be the envy of your friends. Wow, every lady from here to the Empire. Be warm and toasty, even on the tenth planet of a dying star. Now on sale at Spark and Mensa. Better now? Better? Why, I feel so warm I'll probably never catch man flu again. Spark and Mensa. Because nothing says sexy like a neck-high jumper. 
in system travel, sometimes it takes so long. I have tools for all kinds of circumstances on my ship. But the one thing I don't have a tool for is uneven tan lines. I just want to look like a million credits. But when you're living for days on a ship with processed and filtered air, it really dries out your skin. I use Betterhoe Goldening Tan Cream. It just boosts your confidence. I don't believe that beauty is only skin deep, but now I really do look like a million credits. Even my friends mistook me for a genuine gold skin. Jameson and Jameson. Upgrades and services for your body. And welcome back. Now, for our main discussion uh, this week, um, as things have been uh, a little bit quiet, um, we feel that, uh, I mean, we have been discussing the narrative a lot. And there has been uh, some criticism about the fact that it feels like you know, we're just watching events unfold and we can't actually interact with any of them. Um, so the question, uh, this isn't meant as, as a go at frontier or anything like that. It's just a, um, a kind of brainstorming session. So if anybody wants to join in the chat room as well with some suggestions, um, we'd like to know, I mean, what we can do to enrich the game narrative to make it more engaging. Now, obviously, there, there, there are two ways that, two more obvious ways that this will happen uh, and it it might sacrifice some things like uh, turning Elite Dangerous more into a theme park than a sandbox which is always a bit contentious now Chan, you started you've, you suggested this, this topic have you got an initial starting point? Yes, the way I would suggest it happen is well, oh, seriously Oh, um, I thought I could stun somebody by um, overloading it, but apparently they're dead. Oh, there's nothing uh, yeah. stunning on foot. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I- I'm not a huge fan of CGs, to be fair, because they tend to be, I think it's like how one said, they're bucket-filling exercises. They are. Uh, so I-, I think what I would, the way I would prefer to do it, particularly around this kidnap thing, is mm-hmm. you would have an on-foot, aspect or you would have a, a treasure hunt putting the pieces together so rather than being told oh Aris has been kidnapped for a year or whatever it is it's slowly built up um perhaps by in-game drops so let's say if you blew a ship up it would release a cargo item which would have a piece of information in so you slowly drip feed information and puzzles to the community over a, over a period of time based on stuff found in game yeah. uh, so as soon as it knows oh if you get this bit of cargo it gives this bit of clue then immediately you would get people out trying to either work out what it is or get the same thing that dropped or something like that other than the cg would be my yeah. suggestion i mean one thing that i would absolutely love this game to do is intelligently link uh, missions together in a kind of chain. Now, this this has been suggested before, 
uh, and I did a little bit of analysis on it. The problem is, is that in order to do this dynamic, uh, in, in order to procedurally generate a kind of train like that, you'd have to cover all the bases. So you'd have to come up with um, little flavor text explain, you know, linking the two different types of mission and why you're doing it and putting the missions into context. And that, to me, seems more difficult than actually putting the missions together because it might start with one mission, but then you've got to handle the several different mission types for one, uh, uh, for the, the link between one mission and, and another. And then it, it exponentially grows with each mission as you go down. And, oh... I, I mean, I'd love to see it happen where you have these kind of little mini campaigns that feel different every time. But because I put my developer head on, I know how much work that must be, and I I would be scared of doing it. Oh, Ben, you did that? You just died. <laughs> I, I M- Miggles went off and killed me. Oh, good. I, I, well done, Miggles. Do it again, Miggles. I missed it. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the, the dichotomy is is. Uh, one of the things I like most about Elite is you are not the hero. You're not Han Solo. You're not the Dragonborn or whatever it is. You're just someone, you know, a nobody. And it's difficult to have something in place where you're a nobody who suddenly finds out the Emperor's been kidnapped for a year, for example, yeah. without everyone else being the person who finds out the Emperor's been kidnapped for a year. So that's a that's a dichotomy thing that's hard to hard to do in a multiplayer game. I know other games have done similar things. I've forgotten the particular name of the MMO, but there was I think it was EverQuest. There was a there was a monster that spawned like only twice or something ever. Mm-hmm. And if you were in the team that killed this monster, then you got an in-game item or a title or something, and you were the one who killed this monster, but it only ever spawned twice. So it will be difficult to do that without an awful lot of salt, I think. Because can you imagine if random person logs in, sees a particular ship, blows it up, and all of a sudden they're, they're, the, they're the one who ordered as rescuing the em- emperor, and everyone's going, well, I, I want to do that. I should have done that, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I did like about the Interstellar Initiatives. I mean, they were sort of like four events, narratively linked, uh, four CGs or um, puzzles, all narratively linked over uh, over about a month. And to tell you the truth, um, those I really enjoyed because it reminded me of the kind of live events that we used to have in, in the Matrix Online. Uh, and those were absolutely fantastic. But the problem with those were um, you had to have GMs running the sessions. So would would this have been a better way for them to do that this particular storyline? Because let's face it, having the em- the emperor kidnapped for a year isn't necessarily in the same league as I don't know Professor Palin finding mess alloys somewhere. You know, it's not a minor thing. No. So should should it have been a GM led event? Do you think? Do you think it's that I'd, sort of thing? I would have loved it to have been. Um, but I do know that they they, they avoid them ever since the Gnosis. Because some things went wrong with the Gnosis event, um, they've they've been put off from doing those kind of things again, which I think is a complete shame. Um, Sometimes it, it takes the courage to realise that 
whatever you're going to do, some people will complain loudly, uh-huh. but an awful lot of people will still enjoy it. Yep. I mean, I kind of enjoyed I, my out was on the Gnosis. I, I kind of enjoyed cowering on the Gnosis and um, all that kind of stuff. And I, I, yeah, I do feel for people who might have broken off exploration missions to go and uh, do whatever it was, you know, to, to this this proposed jump into the current sector. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's you know, it, it shit happens. It's one of those things where. Not necessarily everything's ever going to work out always, but I think the problem with the Gnosis event wasn't necessarily the intent of the event itself, but the the bugs, uh, for instance, not being able to tackle the Thargoids without being shot at by the Gnosis itself, or I'm not sure, did it shoot or did it just find you? I can't remember. Um, but but that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there, there was a bug that but, they didn't they didn't disable the um, no fire zone around the noses yeah. when they should have done. Um, I mean, there were two, but in, in my opinion, there was only two things wrong with that event. One, the the bug that you mentioned there, where where people were defending the noses and the noses was shooting down its own defenders. Not a good idea, uh, and and the other one was of course the fact that seven hours before the the thing jumped, a Galnet news article was published saying that it misjumped. Um, I mean, if those two things hadn't happened, it would have been a lot more positive, I think, because um, for the I don't know whether or not they were too subtle about this though. They they did say that the no all six of the eagle eye sat, eagle eye satellites were pointing at the Gnosis before it jumped, which should have been a clue to anybody following the the Thargoid um, incident, you know, following the Thargoids that, hang on, the Thargoids are targeting the Gnosis, get your anti-Xeno ship on it now. But obviously a lot of people <laughs> thought, right, we're going exploring, and uh, that that was quite bad because I remember seeing people launch from it and just get cut down by uh, scouts because the interceptors didn't actually come after the Gnosis. It was, um, it was just uh, scouts. So do you think then, I mean, I'm still on the subject of GM led stuff. Do you think yeah. if they learned the lessons of the Gnosis and even the, the, the Salome event, which is broken oh. all the way all the way across the board, but that wasn't really a GM led event. That was a player led event with a bit of um, frontier help. Um, yes. help. So, but that doesn't necessarily mean it, if you learned the lessons, it wouldn't work again. Um, it, and also, I think whatever mechanism they do, they need to be courageous enough to play out a loose scenario. So, if we're saying, for example, there's the rescue the emperor. Mm-hmm. something and if it happens that the players defending the kidnappers or you know trying to kill the emperor su- succeed or the emperor is killed i think they should stay guilty it shouldn't be a magic plot armor haha i live anyway they should be courageous to play out the consequences of the player actions and i think that's one thing i think that the set that the set that was good about the Salome event was Drew just didn't go, ha ha, miss me, didn't count. He, he actually did play out the consequences of that event. And I think Frontier should be courageous to allow a loose scenario to play out because yeah. that gets people bought into stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they do, 
I mean, this is one thing that we'll have to. I mean, it's it's going to be a couple of weeks before we have the uh, the catch up with uh, with Arthur and everybody at the at this uh, this meetup. And that's one of the things I want to ask is whether or not they're going to, you know, that uh, they say they've been they've been following the players' wishes. Which, when you think about it, they have because we've now lost Aegis because the players sided with Salvation a lot more than they did with Aegis. And look at Aegis now; it, it's 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 getting wound up. If we've sided with Aegis, Admiral Tanner would probably still be there, and so would Aegis. But no, the entire community went with Salvation. So it does to prove that you know there there are consequences to some of the actions that the players are doing. But is the end result the same? Because Either Aegis or Salvation, does it really matter? The fact they would both get Thargoids. Um, well, this is the thing, because Salvation has a completely different way of dealing with Thargoids, doesn't it? And does anybody... Just quick, quick yay or nay, does anybody actually trust Salvation? Because I'm an A on that one. I, I wouldn't did... trust Salvation as far as I could throw them. I wouldn't <laughs> trust either of them, to be fair. I mean, I did. I, I'm with Shan there. I think I don't trust either of them. Well, you see, I would have trusted Aegis, but I wouldn't have trusted. Um, I don't trust Salvation. How do you trust Aegis? You know, I, okay. Another another question. I mean, does anyone else feel that Aegis was basically Inra Mark Two? No, I don't, because okay. Inra was Inra and... was a secret organization that was kept uh, that was kept in the background. Uh, was ba- was basically fighting a dirty war. Aegis was above board, and everybody, and apart from security, necessary security measures, uh, shared their technology as soon as they could with the commanders. And on top of that, in the background, they were trying to understand the Thargoids to try and find a way to stop the aggression rather than just relying on big guns. I think Aegis's main crime was naivety. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with that. I mean, it was very different to the way that um, Inra behaved. Just because it's an anti-Thargoid organization doesn't mean that they act in the same way. So, <laughs> although, so, you, so going back to the, the the topic, so how would you have played out the narrative that we know so far? Would you have had a GM on board, kind of manipulating the, you know, and thinking, oh crap, the players didn't go for this, they need to do this now, and, or or would you have gone with the CG and almost overdosed on CGs, or how would you have done it? Well, you see, that that's the thing. I would have I would have probably put in more player GM-guided events. You still have CGs, but I think um, this game's a little bit too complicated to, rele- to put it down to procedural mission generation. You have to have a human guiding hand i think especially for some of those um because basically as you know when you when you're a gm uh, the players will suddenly decide that they don't want to play your adventure they want to go and play off a completely different tangent and go and visit thomas the tank engine in tangent town so <laughs> maybe they should hire the um elite rpg GMs to, to run things for them. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing though, with CGs I found in general, and that does, to be fair, that does put me off doing some just CGs, is they 
they're almost consequence free. They just remember there was a CG where if you only hit a certain level, they wouldn't give you gimbal class three beam lasers or something like that. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Um, um, and there was a huge outcry: we want our beam lasers, we want our beam beam lasers, and eventually they relented and got them. The same with these these French drive things that was this year. These they they don't let consequences stick. For me, I just said, well, sorry, mate, you know, you didn't reach the goal. The beam lasers are gone. Right. Mm. You know, I would have yeah. stuck and because it, it does take away the tension and the drama and everything else like that. In the same way as I, I didn't do the, the friendship drive once CGs because hey, they're gonna they're gonna appear at some point anyway, so what was the point? Well, to tell you the truth, they've not done that in the past because at the moment, um, if you look at Lave, we've we've only got two agricultural crops, which I think is basically the Lavian brandy and coffee. Yeah, that's no, the developers that, being spiteful on us. That's nothing to do with content. No, no, there's there's an awful lot of um, uh, worlds which were hit by that virus. Remember the the um, the food virus thing that that white toad crops. That's the one. The blight. Um, the, the, they haven't managed to restore all their um, crops yet because basically, when they were asking for people to have the uh, uh, the antidote delivered. Not the, not as many people delivered them at all. So we we have a consequence of people not getting involved. It's hardly right now. It's hardly important, isn't it? Who cares if you go and get a cappuccino in Lave? You know. No, but you do think I I could do with actually. Lave is supposed to be an agricultural centre for the old worlds. Yet all it can produce is coffee now. And Lavian brandy. Oh, and Lavian brandy, obviously. That's but all you need, isn't it? What else does a man need, Colin? <laughs> enough to fill Coniston water, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's where all the Lavian brandy went. Um, just a nice guy in chat asked about Onion Head. Now, I can't remember the specifics of what happened to Onion Head. Onion like Head is still there. It's, it's the East India Company's primary uh, product. There's Onion Head and there's... Also, the the two original varieties. There's the Capifornasis or Panem Gold, which is the super high quality stuff, which is sold sold at Harvest Port and Capifornasis. And there's the Tanmark variety, which was um, kept it alive when the mean old federation bombed the farmers of Capifornasis. But there has been a couple of threads that popped up during the whole blight thing. I mean, this is the origin of the blight. It was revenge. Mm-hmm. For, uh, there was a splinter group of onion head aficionados who took out revenge on. I'm not sure why they blighted the planets they blighted, but anyway, they they were upset about it. Yeah, and so there was actually there were actually conflict zones. Unfortunately. I was hoping the the onion headers would have won, but unfortunately, everybody sided with the federation, and uh, which was unfortunate because I think there might have been more onion head stories had the uh, whatever the I can't even remember what the group was called. I fought for them, of course, but um, <laughs> how did yeah. the Cerberus plague end? I can't remember what the Cerberus plague is. I have seen and, and we've got it's about uh, two headed dog, isn't it? Yeah, there's a Cerberus, isn't that a three headed dog? There might be no, a wasn't, wasn't there a plague that was shutting down stations and it was being carried from ship to ship and then people worked out 
a way to, uh, I think it's bad to take medicines to the affected stations. Is it years ago now? So I can't remember the details. Yeah, oh, yeah, that that was one of the first um, first kind of CGs where the, you know the that, that was something that they put in. Now that's isn't that isn't there some kind of medical emergency BSG state? It's like BSG, infrastructure. Yes. So basically, it's a plague state or something. Which, if a system falls into plague, you can then shift medical supplies there for extra cash. Yeah, but that's a temporary state, if you see what I mean. That's not, that's just part of the BGS, and you can manipulate that for your own mm. for your own benefit. I think we're talking about the the, the plot, the galaxy-wide narrative, I think, here. Yeah. And I, I just think it lacks consequence. And particularly recently, I mean, if the examples we've been talking about are all almost right of release, aren't they? Well, no. I mean, the the stuff that you're talking about now is basically involving what can only be described as the power play people. Uh, and they seem to have uh, a certain amount of plot armor. Yet yeah, should a, we... I mean, I prefer it not to. I'd prefer that, you know, they have, I don't know, some templates in the background that, you know, okay, we've lost the emperor. Here's a new, here's a new emperor, if you like. And... Um, have a you know a new power play portrait appears. I mean that's all that needs to happen. But yeah, it does kind of beg the question though: why bother? Yeah, you know, what does the emperor actually do if they go missing for a year and no one notices? Yeah, I mean it does seem that um, we've got uh, two opposing views in the chat room. We've got um, <laughs> we've got uh, M1K3TV. He says salvation is. Uh, Inra with fake no with glasses and a fake nose, <laughs> and Commander Siriff says Salvation baits the Thargoids, kills them, dodgy as hell. Aegis was at least transparent, but they weren't great. They were clearly not villains; they were just kind of lame-ish. <laughs> Which actually, I think that's quite true. So, I mean, do you think Frontier had the resources to do these GM-led? events because it, it takes a lot of planning doesn't it and it and it, it does takes a lot of time and you have to be very careful because it has to be time zone independent doesn't it because if you have it in the uk evening mm. time then antipodean friends are at work etc so it's almost has to be 24 by 7 yeah that, event, doesn't it? i mean for these kind of player events it has to be kind of set up and be able to run um really without interaction and then maybe a couple of day a day later or so the the gm will react to whatever the player base has done and then it moves things on a bit um there was actually talk i mean michael brooks right when the pleiades was was starting michael brooks put a call out on the on the ddf saying right this is where um you guys come into play uh we need suggestions of what's going to happen in the Pleiades between the Emperor, the Empire, and and the Federation, because uh, we're we're going to go and do something there, and we'd like you lot to guide it. But then, of course, the DDF, being the DDF, screwed it up, and they went a completely different way. Unless you get me to GM it, I can guarantee there'd be interesting results. <laughs> well, isn't there a game designer role you could apply for? That's not GM. That's <laughs> Uh, everyone thinks they're the most amazing game designer in the world, don't they? Of course, but you know, okay, everybody does. Yes, everybody does. I mean, 
I mean, one thing that I I hope they avoid doing. I know they've been asked for before, but I hope that they avoid doing mission packs. There was. Do you remember the video? It was in one of the releases. It was like a cutscenes, wasn't there? Do you remember that? It was yeah, in the there, game files. There was some, there was cutscenes from um, what was it? Aris, not Arisa, oh, Ashling, uh, and um, there was a whole lot of Ashling um, cutscenes that weren't used and everybody was hoping, Oh, are they going to put some kind of little mini campaign for, uh, for the power play commanders or something like that, or for the engineers and nothing came of it yet. Well, I think after this time, I mean, <laughs> you really I mean, think the, the, well, the difficulty you've got, I think as we mentioned earlier with an online game is if you have a mission pack, everyone does the same mission and it becomes a kind of like, yeah, and I don't think Elite has ever been a theme park. I think it's always been a no. sandbox. And that I, is I, a really big design departure from the game to become yeah. a theme park. I, I'll completely agree with that. It has to remain in the start, the, the kind of sandbox style. I mean, I, I love the missions with Rantar. Even though you can rerun them, they're, they're, they've got that kind of uh, variety to it that they really were a challenge. I think I think they overegg the pudding with them. To be honest, they they were a bit too grindy to begin with. But after after it settled down, um, yeah, the that stuff was good. Um, of course, Professor Palin was there. Started off by saying he wanted Thargoid parts, and everybody went off and and tried to to farm Thargoid parts from Thargoids, and then until they found the crashed vessels with Thargoid parts around them, and thought we don't need to fight Thargoids anymore, which is a bit of a shame. But um, do you think they should? Presumably, this is once the console crash has been sorted out, because I don't think it would be fair to do it um, before the console question is answered. Um, do you think they should have on foot CGs interacting with on space CGs or something similar? Because oh yes, they've got to. They've they've got to. It's the one. Uh, it's the one thing that I feel is would help join up. Um, the in cockpit and the on foot experience is that at the moment because the because there's not enough connection between the two, it you know if, if we've still got that kind of disconnect. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that things are getting better with update eleven with more space uh, parts to the on foot missions because I mean that's what I really want. I want more space stuff. I like the on foot stuff. But I'd like more space stuff involved with the on-foot stuff. So would you... Uh, how would you do the CGs? Because presumably, uh, if you have it as a conflict zone, it becomes, you know, shoot, shoot, shoot. But yeah. I feel that the benefit of having it on-foot is the variety of stuff you have to do is greater than what you would normally try and do in a ship. I mean, a ship is basically trying... You know, either shoot X number of pirates or baddies or deliver cargo to X, Y, Z, whereas in a CG, you could have infiltrate XX base number of time and nick their power calls or something like that. So you can make it slightly more varied. You know what? I would I would like a way that one's an on-foot CG affects an in-space CG and vice versa. So for instance, say for uh, we have a uh, a CG down there, which is basically disable the base by, you know, 
for example, stealing the power core and disabling the base. That base means that the um, the CG up above, the enemy can uh, can be resupplied, but from these bases because they've all been shut down. So that means that um, one side has less capability in the conflict zones. Wouldn't that be a conflict conflict zone? Well, not necessarily. You could be, you could be. It, it could be a case of you've got to disable the base, but you've got to do it in a mission type way. And the other side, the other side could have say, no, we've got to re-enable these bases. So there's always a bit of push to and from. I hope they do go that way because it it, it definitely needs a, more than just fill a bucket up. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things that I, I hope that we're discussing here because i think we've all decided that although the fill the bucket up cg is a good way to come up with decision points where the company where the community decides to go one way or the other um i think we need to be a little bit more nuanced especially if we're involving um on foot stuff do you think we'll get any on foot significant things until after until before while we don't have it on consoles uh, until the consoles are brought online, or we've we've heard one way or the other about consoles, I don't think we'll get anything on foot. Yeah. Because, well, let's be honest, it's unfair, it's unfair to yeah, it's unfair to those who don't have Odyssey full stop, and it's really unfair to the consoles who can't get Odyssey uh, at the moment. And, to be honest, yeah. have have we ever had a Horizons only CG? No, we haven't. Even though, actually, at this moment in time. We could have horizons only CGs because they could be on planets as well, couldn't they? Yeah, they yeah, could be. Get something where you got to go off and farm rocks or whatever, or rescue. I mean, that that was one thing that I thought about the Arissa thing was that um, what you could do. This is this is how I would have done the Arissa um, rescue. Right, is that you sign up for one or two, one of two groups, which will be obviously the ones that want to rescue the the emperor and the ones that uh, want her dead. Um, and then basically you go around all the planets uh, in Summerland and rescue as many life pods as possible, and then get take them back to your base. And the obviously. It, it is still bucket filling, but those those life pods are on floor uh, on the uh, on the ground, and obviously the fur, the one that rescues the most uh, pods at the end wins. So on balance of probability, they've managed to rescue more, and there's, there's more chance that the emperor was in one of the ones they rescued. Otherwise, you know. So, answering asking that question to the crew and probably the chat. Which side would you choose? Uh, would you choose to rescue the Emperor, or would you choose to hand in the life pods to Etienne Dawn? Well, I'd rescue her. I'd rescue her. I'd probably rescue her, to be honest. No, yeah, I, I mean, she'd be yeah. so sold to Etienne Dawn. <laughs> um, I mean, the, 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 the reason because I would rescue her is obviously because I'm, uh, I'm in her power play uh, group. So therefore, I feel as a as a uh, Arisa power player, I it's it's part of my job, but you know it's it's one of those things that I mean that's how I would have handled the player uh, the player interaction on that. Do you think the player base would have sided with rescue 
the emperor, or would they have sided with this Salatetian Dawn side? Well, that that goes back to the Salome event because um, if you think about it, it, it was completely uh, down at the players who wanted Salome to to live or die. I mean, it was a, a horrible, underhanded way that it happened, but they stuck. But the the consequence has stuck, uh, and. It goes back to your point again, Shan, of whether or not they've got the um, the ability to take away the plot armor of power play. Well, they've got the ability. It's just do they have the stones for it? <laughs> I was trying to be more diplomatic than that, but uh, obviously not. Same meaning. <laughs> I mean, let's I mean, let's say you're you you support Arisa in in, in power play and Ra Ra go emperor for that, but if. If Arisa was killed, and I don't know, I don't know, they had um, one of the other Duvals took over, baby Duval or something like that. It took over. Would that still make you support that missing power? You know, the new power that had gave you exactly the same as what Arisa power did, but just a at the moment it would right. because of the community that's built up around this power play faction. Um, unless, unless of course everybody in the power play factions just went, well, Arisa's dead now. I think we'll give up on this power play now. But knowing the um, the, the Discord as I do, actually, you know what? I will ask them and have an answer for you next week whether or not, if for some reason the Emperor had died during that event, um, whether or not they'd still play this power or whether they'd go off to another one. See, for me, I wouldn't care. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else if they, if I was, I would I purely look at what each power gives me as a player, not what I the think, picture is or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah, well, I'm pretty well, alone on that, but you know. Oh, there are plenty of people who module shop for in power play, but uh, at the moment, it, it, I, should, I don't know how to put this. When you look at the, the modules you get for Arisa, they're not exactly great, but it's got a still third in the in the league tables. And, and Yeah, but uh, isn't, isn't that a bit like supporting Watford? You know, or someone like that, someone sort of uh, one of these lower league football teams, rather than the Man City or Liverpool. You know, you just you feel sorry again, for the underdog. Again, Shan, you're missing. Your you're missing out on the community side of it here. You you're looking at at it as uh, just as a specific. What can I get out of this? Uh, for me, materialistically wise, I'm actually enjoying interacting with the community. Um, and people saying, right, we've got Hudson invaders coming into Baal. Quick, everyone get over to Baal uh, and get involved in in taking out as many um, players or um, federal shuttles as you see there. So there's not any part of you that wants to be an agent of chaos and just simply <laughs> allow the Emperor to keep, die? Or no, no generally, it's... Max, Max, Ben, would you not want to be agents of chaos in some of this just to see what happens? Stand because I'm not you. <laughs> and no, though a Scotsman, I will not have a, a picture of Arissa in love hearts around, around my desk. Thank you. But the thing is with Arissa, her power play module is actually quite good. Really? Yeah, it's, the, it's the Imperial Hammer, and you engi- you engineer it to... You give it the... Um, what's it called? The Plasma Slug Engineering Upgrade and Short Range Blaster, and it and it's absolutely devastating. 
I mean, I, I've got two Imperial ham- notes, hammers. Though, yeah. <laughs> I have two Imperial hammers on my conflict zone crates, and it's just brilliant for chewing your enemies up. Right, I've taken note of that. Thanks, Mac. I will. I will upgrade mine as soon as I can. But yeah, engineer uh, it, and and it's and it's a, it. It really is. It it's absolutely devastating. Yeah, I mean, I think are we in agreement that we, the, we'd like to stick with the sandbox model, but we want more player agency within that sandbox model. I'd yeah, definitely. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. We want some sand, basically. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, what yeah. We and, and not sand. sand that your three-year-olds wet themselves in. Oh, thank or you. Or literally sand. Yeah. 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 Or actually, yeah. We've, got no. of, we've got plenty of sand. We just need more different shaped buckets. <laughs> well, oh, oh, uh, we, yeah, we want, yeah we, we want sand, but more than an inch deep. Oh, that's cruel. It's more than an inch deep if you look for it. You know that. And that's what she said. Oh dear. 20, the volume of 26 Olympic sized swimming pools. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. one hell of a sandpit. I'm, I'm going to draw this to a close uh, and uh, we'll have to touch on the community corner next. Um, so, Ben, our friends over at the High Wake. <laughs> Yeah. You're the best at explaining the, the high weight guys because they're always good. They are always good. Um, so I also I want to, well, before we quickly do that, I also want to give a quick shout out to him because he went off and gave us another um, smiley face emoji kind of thing, basically. Um, oh, yes. So, yay, we've got, he gave us another one of them, and that's, they're all awesome for all your Discord wavy needs and things like that. Yeah, we'll have to start um, using them on the Twitch channel, having them, having them wave every time we get a subscriber. <laughs> oh, I suppose we could do that, couldn't we, if we wanted? Yeah. Um, what the hell? That's a hell of a... Sorry, I've just... There's a hell of a lot of fleets just flying off to the... Flying off there. Um, oh, they're all wanted, too. <laughs> um, but yes, anyway, the, uh, this, oh, this is more, more your thing, Colin, that you know, the highway is going off and explaining exobiology ranks to us. Um yes. And yeah, I'll just say, watch it for yourself. Some of his hypotheses um, are fabulous. <laughs> I mean, how can you describe this without spoiling it? You can't. Go you watch can't. it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust us. It's not a waste of your time. Waste of your time, um, Chan. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give a plus one for a high wake. The stuff they do is always high quality always funny and always has a, a point to always make it. Better, so, it it's very very good yeah so yeah it, it gets a, it gets a shan star from me that's a new thing by the way i just made up oh a, a shan star is it yeah. Shan star, yeah yeah oh dear um right moving on from there we've got oh yes mm, how can i forget this guy rosencrantz jr the guy that forced me into an adder for two weeks because I made a stupid bet, um, has let me know about Commander uh, Heli Melly's world-first Cobra Mark III Hydra solo kill. Um, I've, we've got a link for that in the show notes, um, which I've, I've, I've had a glance at it, and wow, uh, serious amount of heat sinks firing off there, but um, he had, uh, I think, uh, two plasma cannons and a couple, of, and a couple of um, normal cannons just to deal with with everything. And managing to take out a hydra with just that is it's always 
Yeah, uh, that's an amazing, amazing bit of flying. So yeah, yeah, um, I really like that. Yeah, well, funny you should mention that because um, he just happened to mention the fact that uh, he managed to do it himself in, in Asp Scout. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you need I to mean, do it. fair play oh. to you. You, you, yeah, choose, totally. you choose the really worst ships you can to, to take these out, but you've, you're not forcing me into an adder again for that. <laughs> I think he let you off, Colin. I mean, two weeks is barely enough time to learn how to make it fly straight. I think you should have been a month to let you master the whole aspect of flying an adder. To get that uh, full adder experience, it should have been a month. No, no, I, I had enough adder experience to last me the rest of my life. Thanks. Um, we also got to point out that Ghost Giraffe has returned to Elite Dangerous with a massive three-hour stream. <laughs> I mean... Um, fair play to him. So he, he was mucking about uh, in a T10, of all things. <laughs> um, and, of course, we have the results are in for the Buckyball Racing Clubs back to uh, Perico. Is that? I'm just going to call it Perico. <laughs> You'll have to work out what it is itself, which is the Magic 8-Ball Championship Race 1. And I can see from looking through... Uh, the list here uh, for the regulation class. Alec Turner is a winner uh, for the unlimited class. We've got um, Shea Blackwood. So I do believe Sulu has actually managed to get second place in all cases. Uh, although Psykit did manage to get sixth uh, in the uh, in the regulation class. So fair fair play to her. Well played, Psykit. Yeah, I, I keep on meaning to do this, but I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, to get back in. Blooming XCOM aliens, blame it on the XCOM aliens. That's what I'm doing. Um, right, has any apart from Psykit, has anybody else had a chance to to look over this? Obviously, looking at this, Ben on Matt, you haven't. No. So, yeah, I, I'll see if I can catch up, <laughs> even though it's it's out of the uh, out of the. Uh, the time at the moment. Um, next, Obsidian Ant has done a review of Elite Day, review of the all the nine years of development since the Kickstarter was launched. Um, it is quite actually a, good to see this kind of summary. I find because you suddenly realise how much has gone into it. I've forgotten how bare bones the uh, Elite a Dangerous One Point Zero actually was. Yeah, you couldn't even wing up with someone, could you? No. The oh. North community, oh nope. yes, I remember the goals. um the first community goal one of the first community goals, the one to build the FNS Nevermore. Mm-hmm. And we were all having to there were no wings, we all had to drop in each other's low wakes when we yeah. were interdicting people. And I know yeah, it, it was a lot of work. <laughs> root plotting only one hundred light years. Yes. Yep. Mm, I must admit, I I kinda think I don't know. Is it? Am I just an old fogey for saying I preferred it that way, or maybe I preferred it about a thousand light years? Yes, you are. All oh, right. Okay. So nice to know that. No, no. I think you're. I think you're part. I preferred it with one hundred light years. I also preferred it when there's no engineering. <laughs> no, I prefer the engineering. I just don't. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to go on for that one again. Yeah, we're not going to. How about actually being able to only plot your jump range? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> I must admit, I did prefer actually planning things out a little bit further than that. 
Oh, Paul Archer says in chat, magic number plotting in the core. You remember that magic number? Yeah, I remember. Well, I'm aware of it. I never... I didn't actually go to the core. It had to be. Yes, so the route plotter was incredibly slow if you plotted certain routes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we also have to point out that despite them being only a hundred uh, light year uh, route plotter, someone still managed to get to Sagittarius A star. Yeah, Zula Romero. Zula Romero, wasn't it? Very quick. Yeah, yeah. You got the very first one. Yeah, and point was it a couple of a couple of days after the game launched? Or was that a couple of days after the beta launched? Well, it was, it was just after the beta launched. Yeah. Remember, they were originally planning, you know, when we finally get in the game, we'll do a massive expedition to get to the thing, to get to the to get to Sag A. Yeah. Um, there was and a then, group yeah, boy, wasn't there? Well, wasn't, that, wasn't that the original goal of... Um, no Man's Sky. Well, no, no not No Man's Sky, but um, the... Right. Um, oh God's sakes! Um, giant fleet I, going to Beagle Point. Um, the, the Great Expedition. Yes. No, that sprung out. There was a player group. I remember reading about it. Before, well, there the, was. I mean, in if, the I remember, detail, if I remember rightly, there was a lot of people who are now involved with the Hutt and Truckers who were involved with that group. Who, you know, Flossie um, uh, and a lot of the others were all yeah. trying to come. to put together a group because I remember them trying to organize it at Fantasticon and then all of a sudden after the beta came out 48 hours afterwards someone's made it to Sagittarius Eye and you just could feel of I know over our Discord there it wasn't Discord back then it was TeamSpeak there was a massive grump of disappointment I must confess I was disappointed I mean uh, I've met Zuli because he came to Avecon a couple of times, and he's a great yeah. guy. I mean, he couldn't have been a nicer guy who got there first, to be honest. But I remember there was such a hype and excitement about, let's get a mission together to go and explore the center of the galaxy. And reading about it, it sounded brilliant. I mean, I love the idea of that. And, yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, it, news, but it was kind of a bit of an, oh, okay, now what do you do? Well, I mean, that's what the guys from Distant Stars managed to... They, the Distant Stars uh, expeditions managed to capture that same excitement. Uh, so when they went out there, it actually... It, from what I followed from what happened with you guys that went out, you, there was still the, that same kind of excitement and and joy of participation. Well, to be uh, fair, on Distant Worlds too. It was still there. And what amazed me about Distant Worlds too is, yes, I've been to Beagle Point and stuff before, but what amazed me was the amount of research and planning had gone into with the waypoints and what the route was and what sites to see. And the whole community stuff around Distant Worlds too was, yeah, that was really that was really special, to be fair. Yeah. And to tell you, that is one of the things that I hope that they're going to encourage. I mean, Zach has said that the... Um, that they want to put together the the community this community timetable with people having doing their these kind of events, but um, we've we've still got to see what's going to happen with that. Um, yeah, right. You're right. The, the thing is, the elite really does shine with player with player um, events. I mean, I've done several expeditions. Mm. I've probably done most of the ones organised by Yannick, and he puts on a really good expedition. And those those kind of things 
I mean, they take a bit of it. It'd be nice to have more tools to support things like these expeditions. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I totally because agree. Because they really do. They they really are very good. You get a good sense of community. You have meetups and mass jumps, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, so there you go. That that's <laughs> give us tools to make our own fun. <laughs> um, right. Moving on from there, we'll just. Uh, give a little wave to Paul Deckard, Alexander Corbin and Khan for putting some some very nice comments in the in the YouTube comments section. What did they say? Come on, boost our egos. Oh uh well Khan said good uh what was it good show as always. <laughs> I don't like I I feel embarrassed actually reading these out to be honest. Oh don't be too English. Oi. Oh no that's just that's just horrible cruel Jan and you know that. Me? Yeah, you. Um, Zippy from Rainbow. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Right, every, every single time I need to hear that, I feel so much better. That makes uh, Colin yeah. Bungle, doesn't it, of course? <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't. No, after what he did. Anyway, we've got Paul Paul Deckard who says, love the show as always. Um, I think the only way to go up here is up with Odyssey. I really enjoy what it has to offer and hopefully more to come. Uh, Card says, another great show, thanks. And Alexander Corbin says, talking about skins and paint jobs, my faction, the Wolves of Joni, have a decal, but only people who did a CG from years ago got it. It would be nice if Frontier released faction decals, uh, but they won't give out the codes for them. P.S. Thanks for the shout-out. So, yeah, I mean, that was discussing about things about the Lavecon skins and things like that, because... um, you got to go to Lavecon to get the Lavecon skin. <laughs> and we're not giving them out the codes. Even though the codes I got from Karen didn't work last time, so I need to have a word with her. You're Lavecon skin deprived. I am. I don't have I don't have um the Lavecon skins at all. Wouldn't they have to bring out a new ship to get a Lavecon a new Lavecon skin? Um well, I think I've... most ship most ships got them now, haven't they? Yeah. I don't think the Mamba has though, has it? I don't think the Adder has either. That's not a we want That's... a special gold Lavecon skin for the Adder so Colin feels obliged to get it and test no. it out. No, no, no. Right. Anyway, we shall move on to any other business. Now, what's Polaris? I take it this is Ben. Polaris Dawn? Yeah, this, this, this is me. So... Uh, you guys remember earlier in the year there was the Inspiration 4 mission that was uh, Jared... Um, Isaacman? Yeah, him going up on the SpaceX with three strangers. Well, three random people who he sort of got out of luck. Um, well, he's kind of at it again um, with several goals, but it sounds like it sounds like the work is less random and there were... Oh, I nearly shot Mac there. Oh, go on. <laughs> Mac, Mac, shoot him. Mac, Mac wouldn't even realise I shot him, probably. Um, but they're wanting to go off and do some more things with the ultimate, the final goal of being the first human mission in a starship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a whole lot of steps to get there. Yeah. Um, so this first mission, which they're wanting to do by the end of the, by the end of this year... Uh, or sorry, at the earliest is at the end of this year, I think it was actually. Um, is to, and I'm, I'm going through all this by memory because I'm actually trying to shoot somebody at the moment. 
Well, I've got the notes here. Right. Well, if you've so got the notes here, it would make it a lot easier on me. I think they're, do they're willing to go up really high, over yeah. 500 miles, if I remember, into the Van Allen Belt. Okay, yes. oh, 500 kilometers isn't that high then. Yeah, uh, but they are go they're willing to they're willing to go up even higher than they went up in the Mercury missions. That's basically right. sort of higher. No one else has been this high since Apollo. Uh, Apollo, essentially. Yeah, uh, they're doing a new generation of Starship um, flight suits, which obviously they're going to be the first people to do a commercial um, spacewalk spacewalk thing. Um, I'm going. I'm going completely off by memory here. Right. They're also um, testing Starlink's laser beam. Stuff. Oh yeah. 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 They're testing Starlink's laser-based communications network, and they're using themselves as guinea pigs for a whole lot of medical experiments. Yes. I tell you what, I'd be so up for all those, any of those. How would I? How would I? Uh, well, I'll be, I'll, I'll be down on the ground cheering you on. I think one well, of the key things that they're wanting to do with the Starlink stuff is basically. During Inspiration 4, they were reliant on NASA's, well, the world's, basically, communication network for doing um, link, doing missions of things, doing broadcasts and stuff like that. And obviously the ISS gets a lot more priority than some little, co some little capsule. Yeah. Um, but if they can hook into Starlink, they've got, they could do 4K streaming almost 24-7. Well, there you go. So... Uh, when's that? That's due to be going up at the end of the year, is it? Hopefully, but yeah, yeah. no ETA, no guarantee. I, I, yeah, oh, it's yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the oh. Tesla Star Starship, isn't it? It's a yeah. SpaceX is the is Elon Musk's so Tesla, and the crew members are all um, SpaceX employees. Like you've got the head, you've got like one of the directors who's designing the space the new the spacesuits you know, they're the one going up there wouldn't it be well, like wouldn't it, wouldn't it be like one of these meetings you get when a company's about to make redundancies where they get the people all <laughs> in the room <laughs> and they don't tell them redundant you're you know you you've either got a choice you you go redundant or you yeah. go to mars <laughs> yeah. say bob we're using you as a test pilot for starship is that all right <laughs> <laughs> oh dear at least, they're, at least they're dog fooding. Yes, yeah. What they you mean? If, if they, they buy, they use dog food. New definition of the word being own. fired. Yeah. Being uh, fired out of a cannon. Well, I mean, you, yeah, essentially. <laughs> okay, um, next up for any other business. Now, this made me feel so old. I mean, really decrepitly old. Red Dwarf. Uh, a TV series which, let's say, has a, had a little influence over this show. That's that's <laughs> thirty dangerous, frankly. Thirty-four years old today, when it was first broadcast on February the fifteenth, with the end episode. So <laughs> we'll do an Arnold J. Rimmer salute and smoke me a kipper, you bunches, my <laughs> <laughs> A, a final thing of any other business. Are we allowed to advertise next week? Okay. Yes. Next week will be Lays Radio's ninth anniversary. Ninth birthday. So, so it will be a, quite a special show, so I'm led to believe. Um, so, yeah, nine nine years old. Um, I think that does make us the longest-running Elite Dangerous anything. 
<laughs> yes, it does. In fact, actually, we're older than the guard frequency, and they've been doing Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen for, um, I think it's we beat them by about six, seven months. Let's face it, we're older than Zach almost. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was about to say, are we also older than um, a lot of the uh, elite developers who've been working at Frontier now? I hate to think that I'm probably twice as old as some of them, and so are you, Shan. Who's the longest-running live radio presenter? Ben, I think, or Colin. I think... No, it'd be Ben, because you beat me by an episode. Did I? Okay. Yeah, because I was on holiday that week that we wanted us to start, and I was <laughs> I was busy setting myself, and I get a phone call from you saying you're supposed to be on air, and I'm going, I told you I can't do this. So what? So what price should we give Ben for putting up with this for nine years? Then like, he hasn't been doing it for nine years. None of the original hosts um, have survived. Oh, well, I mean, we we started doing retro lave just after the first LaveCon. Yeah. So that would be 2014, August, something like that. Yeah, about that. So, Lave Radio started in um, in in February 2013, and the first LaveCon would have been August 2013. So, roughly August 20, roughly August 2013. Colin and I came around. Yeah. So, so we've been involved for eight and a half years. I don't know about you, actually, Carl. I suppose this is more a thing for tomorrow, for next week. But do you still feel like an imposter, sort of? No. Okay. I do. I do. I still feel like a guest on this show, even though I've probably said the most words ever. Oh, this is the most. This is when you say the most words ever. Yeah. So next week we're going to try and get as many of the old crew um, to make an appearance. Yeah. Get, get uh, the Zimmer frames. Yeah. Even though they're younger uh, than we are. Uh, we're, so, we're still so, we're still trying to track down Fozza. <laughs> so if you can hear us, Fozza, get in contact. We like you. <laughs> is it is it true though? Alan Stroud has been held prisoner for over a year. Yeah, he's uh, been held held in ice. <laughs> 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 Although um, out, he is sending out regular regular updates mm-hmm. by Drew Wager. Oh. <laughs> oh God! No, oh, God, no, 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 no! No, we're uh, not going oh. to open that book. <laughs> can, I, can I just give a shout out to Happy Moon Mon- Monkey, who's joined us at this compromise nav beacon? Hello, Happy Moon Monkey. Yeah. Yeah. Kill him, Happy Moon Monkey. Uh, kill Ben. Get Ben now on yeah. stream. I, I do know that um, Souverine won't be able to join us because he's off traveling. Yeah, he's um, going off to back back to Florida, I believe. Oh well, he told me he didn't know where he was going, but he knows he's okay. going somewhere. <laughs> somewhere um, near like the sun, he is, says. Isn't he like the Yeah. Isn't he like the Sundance Kid about to head down to Mexico? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. He, yes. Yeah. He, he he moved to America and became a Trump supporter. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna kill me for that. <laughs> well, make ah. make Dave great again. <laughs> make Dave great again. Yeah. But yes. Good luck, Sue. We'll we'll catch up with oh. you at some point. Who's killing poor Happy Moon mon- Monkey? Not me. Don't do that. Anyway, um, so yeah, next week um, we're going to try and get as many people uh, as we can around in the Leave Station bar for you know a, a Leave Radio photograph. It has to be done. So um, hopefully we'll see you there. And remember to like and subscribe. Of oh, course. <laughs> oh. I know it's horrible, isn't it? Uh, or rate it. 
We do have rate, a, a, a YouTube channel, so you can like and subscribe. Or rate and review, because you can rate and review your podcasts. You can. <laughs> and, and if you want to join my Patreon and give me money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Anyway, some some shout outs then. Uh, our sister station, Hutton Orbital Radio, of course, they broadcast on a Thursday from 8.30. You can tune in at twitch.tv, Hutton Orbital Truggers, or if you just want the audio, go to radio.forthemug.com. For the discerning commander that likes a bit of CQC action, check out the CQC Discord at discord.me slash Elite Dangerous CQC. Uh, we're giving shout-outs to the following Elite Dangerous podcasts, which are Allograb AM, Black Sky Legion, Canon Podcast, The Elite Cast for Spanish Speakers, The Fatherhood Podcast, Flight Assist, who have got a new episode out this week, uh, Guard Frequency, uh, Loose Screws, Squeaking Fuel, and of course, System Chat. And for those who want a literary discussion about sci-fi and fantasy books, of course, there's the Data Slate Podcast by uh, Alan Stroud. That's still out there. As I previously mentioned, there's the Galnet News Digest, as provided by Commander Witherspoon, Commander Bealjude, Commander Witherspoon's hot off the press from his frequent his guard frequency uh, <laughs> appearance last week. Um, thanks to everybody who's uh, chipped in on the Twitch chat. Always nice to see you. Uh, and how many in-game commanders have you got flying about with you at the moment, Ben? I think my poor my NPC commander killed Happy Moon Mon- Monday, <laughs> so he was here. <laughs> Right, bounty on Ben next week. It's not me, it was my, it was my NPC. Oh yeah, only by obeying orders. That's it was Venus cool. Thomas. Uh, my, she was set to defend me, and I, I guess... I don't know. Right. Um, now that's it for another episode of Live Radio. Oh, and special thanks, of course, to Commander Tokuso, JN Tracks, and Alan Stroud, who have created music for the show. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email info at laveradio.com or drop us a, a, a comment in the YouTube channel. Uh, hit us up at facebook.com slash laveradio. Uh, tweet us at laveradio. And you can join our Discord server by going to discord.io slash laveradio. Uh, we also have a TeamSpeak server where commanders like to hang out and chat. You can find that at teamspeak.laveradio.com. You'll mostly find them shared with a lot of the Hutton truckers, so uh, word of warning. Um, do get in touch if you have any questions or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss in a future episode. Leave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. So thanks to Mac, thanks to Ben, and thanks to Shan. And special thanks goes to today's tech specialist, that's Santiago, uh, <laughs> Putnik Santiago. Um, so until next time, Commanders, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
Ah, oh, damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fort for two seconds. I'll be right back. Galnet News Digest, 15th of February, 3308. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, we review our progress against Thargoids. We check up on the Colonia Bridge Initiative. We look at Zachary Hudson's plans to remain president. And we try out the Back to Parisa time trial. After last week's Thargoid incursion into three systems on the edge of the bubble, anti-Xeno fighters have made good progress in driving back the octagonal horrors. Top priority, HIP-12314 has gone from massive incursion down to moderate in less than a week, while Nauni and Dan are moderate and significant respectively. There are currently no Thargoid incursions in the Pleiades, and of the seven systems suffering Thargoid incursions in the Colsac, and Witchhead Nebulas, only Wellington, Shen and Lembus in the Witchhead Nebula have significant Thargoid presence. There are no massive incursions. These successes are a clear sign that the traditional ways of fighting off Thargoid attacks remain effective, despite the increased pressure applied by the Thargoids. Perhaps we don't need Salvation's superweapon after all. Of course, the Thargoid attacks have a long-term impact on starports in the affected systems, with repairs often taking weeks. Fleet carriers and coordinated repair efforts have been making the work easier, but the long distances to the outlying systems can still be something of a barrier. In addition to the two starports currently being evacuated, Beaufoy Vision in Nauni and Gunport in Dan, and following the repair of Betancourt Base on the 7th of February, there are seven starports still needing repair, there is some reluctance to repair stations in systems still suffering a Thargoid incursion. The rewards being offered in the latest Colonia Bridge Initiative are perhaps a little on the low side. But the goal has been reached easily in both Colonia and Alcor, and both Universal Cartographics and Vista Genomics will be on the way to all six starports soon. Rewards for participants are only 6.4 million credits for the top 10 commanders, and there are no special modules on offer this time round. But good supplies of the required commodities are available, and a Type 9 can easily make a million credits profit per run, so it's not all bad. The success of this appeal will make Brewer hopeful that the subsequent three appeals will be equally successful, and that the six stations along the Colonia Bridge route will in due course be fitted out with a full set of services, Indeed, with everything, you need to call them home. The appeal will remain open until early on Thursday, even though it's already reached its goal, to allow the top participants to battle it out for a place on the scroll of honour on a number of tourist beacons along the route. Two former presidents have spoken out to condemn President Hudson's plan to remove the eight-year limit on his term of office, branding it unconstitutional and suggesting that it might be the first step down the road from democracy to dictatorship. 
Like Alliance Prime Minister Mahan, the federal president has an important role in the power play of the inhabited bubble, and it seems that many of his supporters would be reluctant to see him replaced by a new president. The Hudson Contravention, a proposal to temporarily suspend the 77th Amendment to the Federal Accord to allow Hudson to serve past 3309, is highly controversial, not least because of how divisive a leader Hudson has proved to be. He claims the Proactive Detection Bureau as a success, but it was the way Hudson handled the PDB that led to 3307 being the first year in living memory that the Federation shrunk in size. The intervention by former Presidents Antonia Mason and Jasmina Halsey strengthened Shadow President Felicia Winter's hand to put forward a vote of no confidence in Hudson. Madison became president in 3264 after a vote of no confidence was passed against President Eugene Cooper. With President Hudson's historically poor poll ratings and his divisive proposal to set aside the Constitution, Winters may have a good opportunity to repeat Madison's success. The first of the magic eight-ball season of buckyball races is underway in Pareco this week. Everyone is welcome to participate in this and subsequent time trial races, with an overall winner of the eight races declared later in the year. This first race is in the bizarre system of Pareco, where a cluster of six starports orbit the star. There are no planets in Pareco, and the starports are all within a few light seconds of each other. The race is to take a Cobra Mark III kitted out according to the specification, round as many of the stations as you can within 20 minutes. You keep going round in a loop until the 20 minutes elapses, then you can land at the next starport and count how many you've visited, and, for tiebreaker purposes, how far over the 20 minutes the last landing took you. It's a very silly race, but it's quite fun and very fast, and you get to see your name on the leaderboard. You'll need to provide evidence in the form of screenshots or a video to record an official time. Search for Back to Pareco on the forums. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to. <laughs> 